wicked, wicked. Get down to business. I don't got no time to play around. What is this? This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Well, a happy Friday to you. My name is Mike Wicket. We are, uh, what, a couple of days away from August around here in the Des Moines area. That means we are then getting into not second summer or third summer. Iowa State Fair season is going to be upon us. And then after that, it's full steam ahead towards football. And that is what we are talking about a lot today. Uh, Kirk Ferentz does his best Grandpa Simpson impression of Big Ten Media Days this week. You'll hear uh, from the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes plus, oh, Kyler Murray. Oh, Kyler, 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 Kyler. Oh, goodness. But before we do any of that, uh, we always hit the big five as we get our way towards the kickoff of the NFL season. The big five teams that people care most about here in central Iowa, the Bears, the Vikings, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, and this week, my Green Bay Packers will lead us off. Joining me from uh, Wisconsin Sports Heroics, WISportsHeroics.com, Jordan Rondorf is with me. Jordan, thank you so much for the time. We made it to training camp. Yeah, thanks, Mike, for having me on. Uh, yeah, we made it to training camp, and uh, I'm excited to see what this uh, team has got going this off uh, off season and then uh, this season. You know, the uh, the big move in the off season was, of course, Devontae Wyatt. Or Devontae Wyatt. Get more on him in a second. Devontae Adams going to the Las Vegas Raiders. Just didn't want to be in Green Bay anymore. That's fine. Uh, some people are upset. People are upset with Goot. Some people are upset with uh, Aaron Rodgers. But whatever. So you move on. And they bring in Sammy Watkins, who... Everyone has been talking about Sammy Watkins and injuries, and rightfully so because a lot of his career has been spent being injured. And then, like, yesterday we get the, oh, he pulled a hammy, but he's back today. What's your real ex- realistic expectation for Sammy Watkins, who is the two or three on this team this year? Yeah, um, expectations, I think, uh, for a lot of people, uh, is that he's going to compete, he's going to bring in a veteran presence to that locker room, especially for all the young guys. Uh, for me, I think that's what he's going to do. But I I also think that there's a chance that he might not make the roster, uh, to be brutally honest. Um, I think that we got a, a number of young guys, um, you know, the rookies in Dobbs and Torre and Watson. But I also think guys like um, Juwan Winfrey and even the undrafted um, guy out of Wisconsin, Danny Davis, have both shown out in camp. I think there's could be an outside chance that Watkins doesn't make the roster. Now, if he does, I think that his veteran presence is going to lead him at least for the first couple of weeks until those guys take those steps forward. Watkins not making the roster would be a hell of a development. Not from the standpoint that I think Sammy Watkins is as good as Devontae Adams or a top five, whatever. But that was the big off-season acquisition made by Green Bay at a depleted spot, especially with Devontae going to the Raiders. What does that say about the assessment, in your mind, um, by Brian Gutekinds, the general manager, of talent out there, considering Julio Jones just signed with Tampa two days ago? Well, we have to remember that Sonny Watkins um, not only signed for a cheaper deal, um, that is really dependent on him staying healthy. Um, If he doesn't stay healthy, what's the point of keeping him on the roster now? If he stays healthy and it sounds like he's going to be back today practicing, I mean, if he's healthy from here on out, I don't see any reason why he won't make the roster. I, you know, I'm hesitant about his injury concern, and I think if you're putting him compared to any of these other guys and they're all about the same step, you take the guy that's younger and hasn't shown the injuries. Talking to Jordan Rondorf uh, from Wisconsin Sports Heroics. Follow him on Twitter at Let It Fly Sports. Sticking with the wide receiver spot here for a second. Ceiling, statistic-wise, what's the ceiling for Alan Lazard? Um, I, I think a thousand yards isn't outrageous to think. Um, sounds like by all means, uh, he's Rogers' favorite target right now in camp. Um, through some of the last couple of days, when he's gotten the defense to jump, instantly looks at Lazard. I don't think he's going to be quite a Devonte Adams but I could realistically see him being closer to a Jordy Nelson level of consistency with Rodgers, at least. 80 catch, 1,000 yards, eight or nine touchdowns. Is that a a realistic expectation for him? 
I absolutely think so. I think it's going to be dependent on how fast he gets out of the gate. Um, if he gets out of the gate quick, first couple of weeks, and he's consistent, you know, 80, 90, 100 yard guy, couple catches, I think that goes throughout the season. If he struggles the first couple of weeks and one of these rookies or one of the other guys steps up, you could see him fall back into that receiver two spot, though. Jordan, the, the biggest story, too, is about a very big man, and that is in David Bakhtiari. Uh, the the all-world mm-hmm. left tackle for this squad got hurt, missed all the last year, comes back for the, the, the Lions game, and then isn't there for the playoff games. It just felt really bad after that Lions game in Week 17, uh, or Week 18, the 17th game of the year. Excuse me. Um, I was on another podcast yesterday, and, and we – and I don't know what percentage Bach is going to be at this year. I don't know if he's ever going to be the great David Bakhtiari. I'm going to throw this your way, Jordan. If I told you that Bakhtiari had to miss this year, if there was a magic surgery he could have today, and he would miss this year, but he would be 100% in 2023, would you take that? I, I guess my question is, is he going to be 100% for 2023 and beyond? Or is he? are you getting basically giving up one full year for one full year. Um, I mean, I think by all accounts, it sounds like he said the ACL isn't the issue now. It's cleaning up some of the other issues that he's very frustrated about it, but his concern level for being a, hopefully back to a top five and some would even say the top left tackle in the league um, isn't there. He doesn't have that concern level right now. So I think that we just got to be patient as fans and, and around the team, he's got to be patient, wait for him to come back. And it's truly shown the last two years in the playoffs that while we can have great years getting to the playoffs, we need our best players to be guys like the Rams or Tampa Bay, who has phenomenal defensive line. Talking to Jordan Rondor from Wisconsin Sports Heroics, WISportsHeroics.com. Joining me here on ESPN Des Moines on Wicket's World, my name is Mike Wicket. Jordan, other side of the ball on the defensive side. I know there were some disappointed people it's at your website, at Wisconsin Sports Heroics, where I also write and podcast. There were a lot of people pissed off that they went defense, defense in round one. Were you one of those people? I was not. Um, I And I, I believe you were also part of the draft process that we went through and some of the writings. Um, I was one of those guys that I really liked Christian Watson. I thought we could get him in the second round, which we did. Um, I was excited about some of the other guys, and I was like, we can get – playmaking defensive players right now in round one and get receivers later on receivers, um, especially in green Bay system, sometimes take two years to, or even a third year before they truly step up. And I knew that. So what's the point of going and getting a first round receiver that we're not sure is going to produce when I can go get a playmaker like Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt in the first round, and they can be playmakers today. I know potentially a top three or even top two defense in the league this year, I think. I think putting Devontae Wyatt right there in the middle next to Kenny Clark, if, I don't know where he is on the depth chart right now. Obviously, a rookie coming in, you don't expect you know him to, to jump in as a starter. Maybe you do. I, I don't know. But it, in, by the time I think we get to, at worst, Halloween, but I think by the time we get to October, I think you're going to see Devontae Wyatt start or at least be the first guy coming in on rotation. Yeah, right now, I mean, he is slated um, slightly behind Jaron Reed. Uh, I think, like you said, part of that is he's a rookie. You know, he's still getting learning the NFL, really. Um, but I think that we've shown, I mean, look at the Rams, look at Tampa, look at some of the top teams over the last couple of years. They've had not just one or two outstanding guys. They've had three, four, five guys that they can rotate in on that D-line and the edge rushers bring pressure and to get stops in the backfield without having to give up a bunch of extra pieces in that secondary. And if this, this Quay Walker kid pans out, it just adds to, I, you can do all the scouting you want. You can check out all of McShay and Kuiper's draft process. You can do all these things. If Walker and Wyatt turn out to be real good players, I don't even need them to be hall of famers, but real good players, contributors, you know, five, six, seven year guys, just keep drafting Georgia players. Just keep drafting Alabama players. I, it doesn't matter if they were like second or third on their team in tackles. The speed out of the SEC is going to kill at the NFL level. Well, right. I mean, think about how many players from Georgia were drafted off that defense this year. I mean, 
a lot of people talk about Wisconsin being a top defense in the league. Georgia was, I would say, still the top defense in, uh, Wisconsin, in college football. Wisconsin, and, listen, and wait, hold on, hold on. Wisconsin played a great defense in the Big Ten. When you watch the Big Ten champ go up against Georgia, Michigan got whitewashed by the bigger, stronger, faster Bulldogs. And Michigan has four- and five-star kids all over their roster, too. So while statistically Wisconsin's right there, I think we're talking about varsity and JV when you talk about the SEC and the Big Ten. And I'm a Big Ten guy. I've grown up in Big Ten country. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think outside of the occasional Ohio State, um, and I would love to see you know, Wisconsin take that step up this year, uh, it really is a big difference. And, I mean, Georgia proved it. Uh, I mean... Not only were they didn't have to even be competent on offense this year, which they were, their defense was that good. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it's and I, and I expect that to translate. You know, it, it's expectations being so high for guys coming out of Georgia, like people like me on the radio and you writing and talking on the radio with me. You know, our expectations as fans of the Packers, it's really really ridiculous because it takes usually one, two, sometimes three years. Like look at Rashawn Gary, guys, a guy that was a first-round pick, but what didn't do a lot the first time through, didn't get a lot of run the second time through, you're like, all right, he's got it. And then last year, you saw it. And now that's why they could let Zadarius Smith go is because they have Rashawn Gary to play the edge. And it's like, okay, I, I, I want Quay Walker to be Mike Singletary. I want Devontae Wyatt to be Ray Nitschke. Like, I want these guys to come in and crush, but you have to put, you have to pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, it would go back a couple of years. Rashad Gary was drafted, and I remember the backlash. Oh, oh yeah. my god! Why oh, did we take yeah. this guy? He's wrong. <laughs> and it's like give him a chance. I, we sometimes expect, especially over recent history, we see certain guys in certain positions, particularly, step up in their instant starters, their instant stars, and we forget that it sometimes takes guys a few years to get the speed, get the strength. It's a completely different level, even from that Georgia defense to the NFL. It's now you're playing, to, you know, five, four, five star guys with the strength and speed of NFL guys every week. So it does take a little bit of time. And Rashad Gary's turned into an excellent uh, edge rusher. We allowed the Darius to leave, and I can't wait until that matchup on Week One. <laughs> um, and I, I wish I wish we had Jenkins and Bakhtiari to shut down the Darius that week, but it does look like we're going to potentially be without both of them at least to start the season. So. I can't believe that we have been on the uh, the air together now for 13 minutes. Jordan Rondorf is joining me from uh, Wisconsin Sports Heroics, wisportsheroics.com. Follow him on Twitter at Let It Fly Sports. I'm Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. We've gone 13 minutes and not talked about Aaron Rodgers. Is that allowed in Packers training camp time? <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as we're not talking about Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, I think we're okay. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about Aaron Rodgers and COVID. We're not talking about Aaron Rodgers and his girlfriends. We're not. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers, the player. Obviously losing his safety blanket, his security blanket, and Devontae Adams – you, you expect his numbers. I don't expect Rodgers to win his fifth MVP. Now, that being said, I didn't expect Rodgers to win his third or his fourth MVP. I think there's going to be some Rodgers fatigue, even if he has a really, really good year. But it, give me a bright side to losing Devontae Adams from Rodgers' perspective. Yeah. Um, well, two, two actually. One, look at the history under Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers without Devontae. They have been successful. They have put up points. And... What it's going to do is it's going to allow us to feed that two-headed monster in the backfield and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon even more. Um, but on top of it, we talk about fatigue with Rodgers potentially winning his third MVP, which doesn't happen, right? But now he doesn't have Devontae Adams. Now he's got to do it with all these young guys and all these, you know, washed-up veterans that are, you know, in Samuel Watkins and Randall Cobb. Now if he does it again, it's like, why, why shouldn't he, you know? Uh, now, do I think that he will? I think it's going to be tough, but I do think that they're going to be extremely successful on offense this year. You mentioned the two-headed monster, and, and I'll, we'll end with this, talking about LaFleur's offense, because I I love A.J. Dillon. I, I I mean, I've got the Dillon jersey. I got the hoodie at home. <laughs> I love seeing the video where you, know, you, you put him next to Aaron Jones, and one guy looks like the Incredible Hulk, and the other one looks like Bruce Banner, and you're like, how do these two guys play the same position in the National Football League? And <laughs> And they do. Now, you mentioned the two-headed monster, and we know that LaFleur is from the Shanahan tree. 
I would love to see them run the ball like San Francisco does with the six running backs. It doesn't matter who's healthy in San Francisco. Do you think that, A, LaFleur will call for more of that action, and, B, will Rodgers follow? Um, I do think that you're going to see a lot more movement, and I actually think a guy like Amari Rodgers um, going off that San Francisco mold, I think he's going to take that second-year step at the receiver, but I think they might use him. I don't want to say exactly like they used Dio Samuel out in San Francisco, but similarly. I think you may see him, or even early Randall Cobb, when he was in the backfield and he was out in slot. I think they're gonna you're gonna see that, and then I think that one guy that you know Iowa fans down in Des Moines would knows is Tyler Goodson. I think he's going to make the team. He's a he was a good running back at Iowa. He was a real good running back at he Iowa. He was a really good. He was a productive dude at Iowa. I don't think Kalen Hill is going to be ready um, after last year tearing his ACL. And Patrick Taylor so far has not practiced. Well, all of a sudden that puts you with two good running backs. You need to find at least a third, if not a fourth, and that opens the door for a guy like Tyler Goodson, who, by all accounts, um, ran the ball extremely well so far in camp and even got some oohs and ahs from some of the scouts and some of the other people watching. Um, I, I think he's as long as he shows up the rest of the camp and into the preseason, he might be a lock to make this roster. You can follow him on Twitter at Let It Fly Sports. Read his work at Wisconsin Sports Heroics, WISportsHeroics.com. He's Jordan Rondorf. Jordan, thank you so much for the time, man. Talk with you again down the road. Absolutely. Have a great day, man. You too. Thanks for, thanks for coming on, man. Jordan Rondorf, again, Let It Fly Sports on Twitter. Somebody comment on Facebook. You can, of course, if you're watching on Facebook, hello, Chad, questioning my desire to have Aaron Rodgers give the ball to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon a lot more this year. He writes, highest-paid quarterback to hand the ball off. And it's a fair point. They're not paying Rodgers $50 million to turn, hand off, and get out of the way. But I do want to see a hell of a lot more play action. I do want to see the ball go into those guys, their hands more. I do. I, I, I think this actually, now that Devontae Adams is no longer in the equation and they don't have a stud at this point, I think it may force the hand of Rodgers to not have to throw the ball 40 times a night. If he only throws the ball 35, that's five more carries for those dudes for the for thunder and lightning to hammer the ball up the middle or on the edges. I, I, I get what you're saying, Chad, and it's a very valid point. Because if they were just going to hand the ball off, they could have paid Mitch Trubisky $12 bucks or whatever. <laughs> scary thought. Scary, scary thought. Coming up, we're going to get to... Kirk Ferentz, the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes, doing his best Grandpa Simpson impression. But first, oh, Kyler. Oh, Kyler Murray, this is getting worse. I am glad I'm not a Cardinals fan where I have to watch this soft QB pretend to be a leader. That's next. One hundred two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. I am Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. It is NFL season. I I realize we have a trade deadline coming up in baseball, but we got we, it's, it's NFL season. As soon as these camps open, it's just like headline and headline and headline and signing and storyline and injury and this and the Kyler Murray thing has. Oh, I spent a lot of last week bashing Kyler Murray in the contract because two hundred thirty million dollars. And 160 million of it guaranteed. I was like, for what? He has done nothing to deserve that contract. And there were a lot of maturity issues. You know, getting away from his production on the field, there were a lot of maturity issues for him that are in question and whether or not he's a very good leader. And we find out a couple days ago, like two days ago, there was. An addendum in his new contract. And get that for an NFL quarterback to have to be told to do this is insanity. The clause required him to study game material for four hours per week on his own to receive credit. Murray couldn't study while he was distracted by TV, internet, or video games. This is all according, this is all was in Murray's deal. And if Kyler failed to meet the criteria, he was at risk of being in default of his contract. I don't know how this got out. And I don't know how anybody can see NFL contracts. Like, I don't know if I, 
Can I just Google terms of Aaron Rodgers' contract? <laughs> am, I, am I allowed to do that? I don't know. But somehow this gets out, and the whole world is gonna is is reacting to it. And so before we hear from, from Kyler Murray, can you imagine another NFL quarterback being told in his contract, you have to study, which basically is the team saying, you're not prepared enough for game day. Can you imagine that with whatever team, if you're a Bears fan listening to me right now, you imagine they have to tell Justin Fields, you got to study. Or if you're a Cowboys fan, you imagine Jerry Jones putting in Dak's new $160 million contract. You have to be there, Dak, and you have to study when you leave the ranch. You imagine Brian Gutekis and that new $150 million deal for Rodgers up in Green Bay. Aaron, when you leave Lambeau, we need you to study. This is common sense. This is what the, the, studying away from the compound or the stadium or wherever you watch film with the rest of your teammates. That should be expected of you. That is what makes Tom Brady an all-time great. That's what makes Peyton Manning an all-time great. Nobody was more prepared than Brady or Manning or Breeze or Aaron Rodgers or the Joe Montana. And obviously film is a lot different now than it was for Montana. Because it's 2022 as opposed to the 80s and 90s. But I cannot imagine being a Cardinals fan and hear that Kyler Murray goes home and does what whatever Kyler does. Like, what does he do? It's week five of the NFL season. Cardinals are playing the Rams on Sunday night football. And on Tuesday, after doing a quick run-through, what does Kyler go do? Does he go play Grand Theft Auto? Does he go out to the bar? Does he go work out for four hours and then take a nap? I can't imagine what Cardinals fan, and I don't know, I know one Cardinals fan, I should have called him, my buddy Matt, who lives in Indiana of all places. What are you thinking when your quarterback has to address the media to defend his work ethic? So then they pull the clause out late yesterday, and it's like, oh my gosh, this has gone from bad to worse. You know, okay, if the clause doesn't get pulled and it's still in there, it's like, okay, you know, Kyler's got to study. He's getting hammered in, on social media. He's getting hammered on sports sports radio. He's getting hammered by sports TV, by everybody, right, for having to have this kids' gloves thing. And then they're like, mm, people are really taking this the wrong way. So they pull the thing. And then Kyler got to the microphone. Here is Arizona quarterback Kyler Murray when he was asked about why he's addressing the media. To think that I can accomplish everything that I've accomplished in my career um, and not be a student of the game and not, um, not, not have that passion and not, not take this serious is, is almost – it's disrespectful and it's, it's, almost, it's, it's almost a joke, you know. Um, it's, to me, it's um, – I'm flattered. You know, I'm, I'm honestly flattered that you all think that at my size I can go out there and not prepare for the game and not um, – you know, not take it serious. It's, 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 it's disrespectful, I feel like, to my peers, to all the, to all the, the great athletes and great players that are in this league. Um, this game's too hard uh, to, to play the position that I... No one's saying he's not preparing. The Cardinals are saying, you don't prepare well enough. You're doing the bare minimum. And that is, you're watching film with Cliff Kingsbury and the rest of the quarterbacks and receivers in the offense when you're there. You're the quarterback. I expect receivers and defensive backs and linebackers to go do whatever, but you're the quarterback. It's not disrespectful. It's not a joke. And if it was something that was a joke or disrespectful to think that he doesn't spend enough time watching film, why was it in the contract? More from Kyler Murray. And this, when I heard this from Kyler... I cringed. And I don't do this often. I don't talk about myself, but today I feel like I have to. And so I'm going to list the accolades. You know, to go 43-0 in high school in Texas. um, Some are going to say, oh, it's high school. That's cool. But nobody else has done it. Um, Go to college, win the Heisman. Um, 
get drafted number one overall to the NFL, get drafted number nine overall to MLB. Again, no one's ever done it. There's multiple different ways to watch film, and, you know, of course, we all watch film. That's not, um, that doesn't need to be questioned. The dude who gets, that brags about how often he's getting action, the guy that talks about how many cars he has, the guy that says, well, I won 43 games in high school. I was a Heisman Trophy winner. I was a first-round draft pick in football and in baseball. Dude, that's great. You suck after Halloween every year. Your playoff performance with your body size last year was pathetic. Don't tell me about what you did in high school. Great. Hang a banner. Hang your four state championship banners you won while you were playing college for high school football in the state of Texas. Hang your Heisman Trophy banner and, and, and display your Heisman Trophy. That's great. This is the NFL. This isn't, oh, look what I did in the past. This is big boy football, as people have said. And Kyler kept on talking yesterday, and he said, don't question my work ethic. I refuse to, to let my work ethic, my preparation be um, being questioned. You know, I've put an incomprehensible amount of uh, time and, and blood, sweat, tears, and work into what I do, uh, whether, whether it's football or baseball. You know, people can't even comprehend the amount of time that it takes to, <sighs> to do two sports at a high level in college, you know, let alone do it, you know. Who cares? Be the first person to do it ever at, at my size. It's Like I said, this is um, – it's funny, but I, you know, to, to those of you out there that believe that I'd be standing here today in front of y'all without having a work ethic and without preparing, I'm, I'm honored that you think that, but um, it, it doesn't exist. It's not, it's not possible. It's not possible. It's not me, Wicket, behind a microphone. It's not John in Des Moines, drive, my neighbor John. It's not him driving around doing his job. It's not Randy in Phoenix who watches every Arizona Cardinals game. It was the Arizona Cardinals. The team that signed you to a $230 million contract said, we'll sign you, but we're putting this in the deal. And you agreed to it. He agreed to the deal. He said, all right, fine. I'll I'll do four hours a week. That's it, four hours? Come on. I'll, I'll, I'll watch film for four extra hours. What is that, 18 minutes a day? I don't know what that is, a day, seven days, four hours, 30 minutes a day. You do that on the treadmill. Take another 30 minutes and watch game film with the Rams or the Buccaneers or the Bills or whoever you have next. It's unbelievable for him to go after the media saying, you know, you guys shouldn't think that I don't work hard. Well, it's not us. People at KTAR, I think that's the sports talk station in Phoenix, the big one. It's not those guys or Joe Buck or anybody saying, you don't work hard enough. It was your own team, and you agreed to it. Coming up, the reaction from the sports world is, is they're all baffled. I'm completely baffled, including Sarah Spain, and she said it last night. Here on ESPN Des Moines, you'll hear it next. How can you be a successful quarterback You'll hear it coming up next. All right. You're listening to Wicket's World on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. It's Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. Don't forget, coming up tonight here on ESPN Des Moines, Cubs and Giants out west, I think around 9.15 for the first pitch. Does that sound about right, Danny? Sure. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? It's 9 o'clock. It's West Coast baseball, just accordingly. I'm the sports idiot. What I, I'm, uh, I'm going to be asleep by the time the first pitch happens, so it doesn't really matter to me. But if you're looking 9.15-ish, you know, you're <laughs> Cubs baseball all season long right here on ESPN Des Moines. It's fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's nine hours from right now. They have their first pitch. Talking about Kyler Murray coming up. I will. There's the big news out of Tampa this week. Isn't the wide receiver that they signed? It's actually something else, and I'll tell you what it is uh, and why. All of a sudden, maybe the Buccaneers. I don't. I may have to do a top five in the NFC in my head real quick because I'm not sure if I can put Tampa there with what happened today and what's gone. But more on that coming up. 
talking Kyler Murray, as there was a clause put into his contract that was has been subsequently pulled out of the contract that he was going to have to study game material for four hours a week on his own when he left the building. He can't be distracted by TV, internet, or video games, and if he failed to meet the criteria, he was at risk of being in default of his contract. And Kyler is upset that anyone would question his work ethic because he was a really good high school player, never lost a game in high school. He was a really good college player, won the Heisman at Oklahoma, and uh, went number one in the first round of the MLB draft and the NFL draft. He was the number one overall pick. That's all well and good. That's great. Like, good for you, my friend. But you, you're so far, and still a young guy, and I've, told, I've said, first half of the year, I would love to have Kyler Murray as my quarterback. It's the second half of the year that I don't want Kyler Murray as my quarterback. So when this question comes out about his work ethic, we already know about the questions about his leadership and his body language, and is he a real leader in that, in that locker room or in that huddle? This didn't help. And I'll echo the sentiment of Sarah Spain from ESPN Radio. She's mind-boggled. How can you be a successful quarterback in high school, in college, in the pros? How can you be handed a contract this rich and the expectations of a franchise if you aren't someone willing to put in the work and you aren't someone who has put in the work? We get that. It's mind-boggling to us as well. So then why is it in the contract? We didn't write it. You didn't write it. Whoever wrote it believed that it was necessary, and then you signed it. Do you know why no one has to go back and say, well, wait a minute. Did you study extra film in high school? Did you study extra film in college? Because Kyler Murray is a freak. Kyler Murray was blessed by whatever God he believed in. Kyler Murray was given an incredible amount of ability. And I'm not saying he didn't practice to improve or study to improve. There are some people who are just born with it. And everything in high school was easy to to Kyler Murray. And then in college, the game became easy to Kyler Murray. But at the big boy level, at the NFL level, there are 50 other guys on your team alone that for the most part, the game came easy to them in high school. The game came easy to them in college. And you get to the NFL, and this is the top 0.1% of all high school football players. You get them in a room, and you're no longer the best player in the world or in your district or in your conference, all of a sudden you have to do more. And so far the immaturity of Kyler Murray is showing that he's not ready to do more. It's kind of like why for the most part, great players aren't great coaches because great coaches have to teach great players. The game came real easy to them. And it's tough for them to sometimes figure out, well, wait a minute, what? why aren't you better at that? Why Why don't you hit that jumper? Why don't you come around your guy? Why don't you seal off your block? That would, That's what I did when I was playing at your level. Because for so many greats, the greats, the upper, 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 upper echelons, the game came easy to them. And if you're trying to teach it, the game doesn't come as easy to everyone else. And it all came real easy to Kyler Murray. Here's ESPN's Mike Tannenbaum about how somehow, like, right now, we're all bagging on Kyler. And if he can win 12 games this year and get a playoff victory, I think we put this behind him. But Tannenbaum was asked how you put this narrative behind. Go play clean football. And I think you make a really good point, which is unfortunately now, every time he throws an interception or if he gets sacked on third down, someone's going to say, like, oh, well, shouldn't he have known that from film study? So, it unfortunately brings a lot of attention to something that I'm sure they're trying to do the opposite. And again, I would be surprised. I'm surprised that they're surprised by it because now it's just going to be a season long narrative around them. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, you're going to see, and I don't have the Arizona uh, schedule in front of me and it doesn't really matter at this point, but wherever Arizona plays, when they go to LA or they go to Seattle or whatever, there will be signs in the stands from fans dogging him about his film study. Did you watch enough film? That'll be the commentary, especially in the first couple of weeks when if Kyler struggles at any point. And I'm not saying sucks because I don't think Kyler's going to suck. I think Kyler's going to be really good again. Maybe not as good without DeAndre Hopkins. 
but he's going to be really good again because he's going to be fresh. It's always the post-Halloween Kyler that's not very good. But any mistake, if he goes 21 of 28, those seven miss, those seven uh, bad passes or the the one interception, people will be like, should have seen that on film. Maybe you should have watched more of it, Kyler. So the contract for Kyler is 230, 160 guaranteed. This clause is now out. It was in. People are just blasting on Kyler Murray. ESPN's Jeff, Tar- Jeff Darlington puts it plainly. This whole contract situation has been a mess. It does draw too much attention. It did draw way too much attention to Kyler Murray's contract. And the second point is, as we just saw with them removing it, it probably wasn't the type of thing that was very enforceable anyway. So, you know, I I think that we've looked at every step of this, from the clause itself to Kyler's reaction to it yesterday, to the social media team for the Arizona Cardinals, then tweeting out (laughs) Kyler's reaction to a clause that was put in his contract by the organization, to then taking out the clause altogether. It's just been handled so poorly. And this all started in the offseason on the day of the Super Bowl when Chris Mortensen reported that Kyler Murray was pointing fingers and blaming everybody else for their early playoff exit. And then, of course, Kyler scrubbed his Instagram. Then he and his agent presented the contract that he wanted to to, to, to Arizona. And then Arizona, you know, they they took it under advisement. He unscrubs his Instagram. Like, it's, it's been a joke. It has been a joke for a guy who's accomplished very, very little. So what about a player? Former uh, NFLer with the Patriots, Rob Ninkovic, was asked, does it even matter about his film study? I don't care what he studies. You know, at the end of the day, he's got to win football games, and he's got to go perform. The Cardinals married themselves to him. They haven't had a franchise quarterback since Kurt Warner, I guess, if you want to call him a franchise-type guy, which he was. He was just older. So they've been really, really hungry to find the next guy. And they've been searching for a long time. They get a young, talented, athletic quarterback who really hasn't done, you know, he's done big things early in the season, kind of fizzled out towards the end. He's not a big body guy. So if he gets nicked up, he gets a couple injuries, pulls a hammy. He's not going to be your dynamic runner. So for me, you know, he's going to have to go take this team, win a division, go win a playoff game. And then I think, people will be like, yeah, okay, he, he deserves everything he's got. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with the end of that. If Kyler Murray can win a playoff game, all of this is proven to be, there's nothing wrong with what we're saying. There's nothing wrong with the criticism. It's up to Kyler Murray to prove everybody wrong that, hey, I can win playoff games. I can win a Super Bowl. What do you think Kyler Murray's doing right now? Think he's watching film? Think about it. Do you think Kyler Murray is is reading his playbook is he watching film of his week one opponent? I get the feeling he's not doing any of that. It just doesn't seem like Kyler Murray cares about any of this stuff. I don't know. Maybe I'm way off on that. Uh, I'm going to get to Iowa coming up in just a sec. Kirk Ferentz does his best Grandpa Simpson impression. Uh, but one more NFL note. The big story comes out of Tampa Bay, and it's not the one you're thinking of. Uh if you did not see, Ryan Jensen hurt, got hurt yesterday. He's the center who's in charge of snapping the ball to Tom Brady. He's 31 years old, signed a three-year deal with the uh, the Bucks. I heard Schefter, and I couldn't find the soundbite, so I, I, I swear it's out there. Schefter says this knee injury that Ryan Jensen suffered could be a season ender. That's massive. Absolutely massive. Here's ESPN's Damian Woody. Huge. Huge. I mean, again, we're talking about now the three interior linemen from 2021 aren't going to be with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. And Ryan Jensen's one of the best centers in the National Football League. And we always talk about keeping that depth in the pocket in front of Tom Brady. Tom Brady's so good at diagnosing defense both pre- and post-snap. But if the pressure is coming at him up the middle... That's the great neutralizer. So that that's a that's a big blow for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right out of the gate. They lose their Pro Bowl center. Right guard Alex Kappa from the last few years is gone to the Bengals. Left guard guard Ali Marpet retired. I'll bet there's gonna be a phone call made to Marpet to come out of retirement. Because if you remember that undefeated Patriots team, how'd they get beat? The Giants pressured the middle of that offensive line 
of the New England Patriots. You have just lost from last year's team when Brady had an MVP caliber year. You just lost the entire interior of your line. You know, Tristan Wirfs got hurt late last year over at the left tackle spot. Their other tackle got hurt as well. I think he came back in the playoff game, but Tampa didn't didn't advance past the uh, the Rams. All of a sudden, everybody says the way to get to Brady, get him off his mark. Brady's still one of the smartest quarterbacks ever to play the game. No doubt, and still has it, even at his age of 62 or whatever he is. But you took out now the guard, and both guards and the center. All of a sudden, Tom Brady might be exposed a little bit more by big pass rushers, by blitzes, by guys coming up faster than Brady probably is used to now that he's going to have three backups in front of him or a backup center and two new guys at the guard spot. That's something. The Julio Jones thing, fine. You can talk about Julio Jones. I wanted him in Green Bay. You know, I think he has something left. They don't think he's he's obviously not the old Julio, but now he's just old Julio. But the bigger story to me comes down to that offensive line of Tampa Bay. You lose Ryan Jensen. Head coach Todd Bowles said it could be a couple of months, but Adam Schefter reported it could be a season ender. I that that all of a sudden, I mean that division sucks anyway. But all of a sudden, Tampa Bay without the three guys inside. Who knows what that means for Brady? He might take an extra couple of hits, and at his age, that would be bad. Coming up, Kirk Ferentz yells at a crowd. His best Grandpa Simpson impression from Big Ten Media Days next. It's 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World. Mystery solved. Cubs and Giants out west tonight here on ESPN Des Moines. 840 for the pregame with Zach Zaidman. 915 first pitch with Pat and Ron. Cubs baseball all season long. They have actually been winning some games lately. It's very, very strange. It's very weird to hear Pat and Ron call wins these days. <laughs> Why the W? Uh, it's very I mean, they lost last night, but it's still, I mean, they won a four or they five had a string. A, they yeah. had like four or five in a row, right? Something, yeah. Hey. Buy that W, right? That's right. Ugh. <laughs> I'm a Brewers fan, man. I can't say it and not throw up a little bit in my mouth. Uh, so, Big Ten Media Days. There are certain signs that football is around the corner. Of course, if you're an NFL fan, and who isn't? If you're an NFL fan, you know all about training camps opening. Because, like, we get the draft, and then there's rookie camp and mini camp, and then there's, like, who's at the voluntary workouts and it's uh, everybody's fighting about oh Rodgers wasn't there or Mahomes didn't go or what Lamar and his contract but as soon as we get to players reporting like they did this week camps are open it's football season but if you're a college fan and we had SEC media days a couple of weeks ago but when around here and where I grew up in the Midwest in the Big Ten when Big Ten media days hit and the coaches and the players descend, you're like, college football is on the way. College football is on the freaking way. And it's beautiful. So, Iowa fan, backing up for a moment, Iowa is has always been at a disadvantage when it comes to recruiting. They're not Alabama. They're not USC. It's Iowa. And Iowa knows it. And Iowa's recruiting classes generally aren't littered with five-star players all over, and that's what makes what Kirk Ferentz has done, you know, being on a consistent basis so special. I mean, you can pencil Iowa wins, or Iowa in for nine wins pretty much every year. Sometimes 11, sometimes eight, but usually nine, ten wins. They went to the Big Ten Championship last year, got embarrassed by Michigan, but they won the West. And at one point, they were a top-five team in the country. Remember that game against Penn State? Everybody was going crazy around here. Reality settled in. Iowa's offense, which is still seemingly stuck in 1992, settled in. And Iowa was unable to often score more than 14 points in a football game, which is important because today, it's it's who can get to 35, who can get to 45. It's tough to recruit without NIL, but with name, image, likeness being so prevalent now and the big endorsements and 
basically buying of players that are happening at universities like Alabama and Texas A&M, they're really in a tough spot. So when Kirk Ferentz, who has been at Iowa for 30-plus years and is, I believe, 67 years old, when he took to the microphone, the first thing he told us was that he's a little worried about his sport. I would not be uh, the only person to say really concerned about the path that college football is on right now and eager, eager to see where it uh, where it heads and what direction we end up taking. But it's a great game. Uh, it was a big game, big thing in 1980 when I went to the University of Pittsburgh as a grad assistant. Uh, it was big when I went to Iowa in 81. If anything, it's just grown bigger. You know, it's always been big and it's bigger now. It is. I mean, you look at the, the amount of money that the college football playoff is bringing in, the college football championship, and, and all these conference championships. The game is bigger. Now, the game is all about money more than ever, but the game is bigger. Kirk is 100% right about that. But you, if you listen to him talk about it, I don't know if he likes it that way. I, I don't know if he loves the NIL, the transfer rules, where anybody can go anywhere at any time. All the money that is in. Like, there's... As, as Kirk says, there's tons of pressure now, more so than ever, on athletes. Just uh, have to think about our players, think about the voices that they hear, the things that they have to deal with, the hands that are on them, the noise that they're listening to, and most of all, I think the pressure, and that's certainly a concern I have as I uh, think about our football team and long have felt that way. I think sometimes we lose sight about uh, you know just how, how young our players are and just how recently they were uh, maybe in the backyard catching a pass or out playing in the street, playing touch football. So it goes quickly for those guys. Everybody that plays in the Big Ten typically is probably the best player on their high school team or certainly one of their best. But all that being said, it's still a big jump when you go to college football, just like it is if they play beyond. Now, here's a line that every old school Iowa or every old school fan, and by that I mean someone who's over 50, every old school football fan loves to hear this kind of talk about taking boys and turning them into men. You know, our focus at Iowa, at least during my 33 uh, years, has been on development of our players and trying to uh, help them grow and prepare for their lives after their college experience. Uh, you know, a small percentage will get an opportunity to play in the NFL, a much smaller percentage will have a career in the NFL. But for the most part, uh, the reality is most players, their careers end when their eligibility expires. So that's really kind of the reality of what we do. And I think that's why it's so important when they're in college, they're doing more than just learning their plays or, you know, developing their skill set. And to me, the best part about football and college football is just learning to be part of a team and uh, what that really means. And just, you know, having respect for other people and realizing there's a lot of other things that are bigger than you. And to me, that carries, uh, carries our player as well as they move in into their adult lives. It's difficult for me to look at, let's say, a four-star kid who's, let's even say, in the state of Iowa, right? And the recruiting pitch from Kirk Ferentz is, come to Iowa, we're going to help you get ready for life after college. And then Nick Saban walks into that same room and says, we're going to win championships and get you ready for the NFL. I understand Kirk's message. I appreciate Coach Ferentz's message. And he's not wrong. He's right about the percentages, the very small amount of college players that have long careers in the NFL. But you do not do yourself, and Saban's an older dude too, but you don't do yourself any favors when you say the goal is to prepare young men for life after college. I'm sorry, you that's... And, and with the, the fact that that is an old-school way of thinking, combined with the idea that kids are going to go places based on tradition, that's what's going to keep a lot of schools from competing with Alabama. You know, there are, I will guarantee to you this, there are high school players right now that have, in, in the state of Iowa that have no idea who Hayden Fry is. That's blasphemy, right? Just like in the state of Michigan, there are high school players who have no idea who Bo Schembechler is. Or kids in the state of Florida, they have no idea who Howard Schnellenberger is. They don't care. Just like you didn't care about history when you were 18, 19 years old. These kids don't care about tradition. These kids don't care about becoming better leaders of their community by the time they leave a university. These kids care about playing time, dollars, and getting exposure, getting clicks, getting likes, getting to the National Football League. That's what kids care about right now. 
and the message that is oozing out of Iowa isn't that. It is not that. Now, there's some things that Kirk is a little confused about. Here's one more from Ferentz. You know, there's just so many things on, on the horizon and spending six years in the NFL where they had a salary cap. And I commend our conference because we do revenue share, some don't. And that, that's more like Major League Baseball versus NFL. You know, there is a system there for, you know, a limit on how much or how little players can be paid. Uh, and there's also a system of movement. You know, there are times when players can move and can't move. And I have no idea how you get to that point in college football. I'm not smart enough to know that. And I'm not smart enough to know who's going to do it. But right now, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of us that are a little confused on what the rules are and what are the, you know, how do you operate. So I'm not sure that's healthy. And, and we just have such a good game. I hate to see it, you know, implode or, you know, suffer. It, it's not going anywhere. College football is not going anywhere. It's only going to get bigger. They're going to expand the playoff, which I don't have time to get into right now. And I'm not necessarily sure the expansion from a end goal crowning a brand new champion that's not Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, or fill in the fourth team. I'm not sure that's really the best plan, but that will have to be for another show. One more from from Kirk Ferentz at Big Ten Media Days. And this is the I don't like the new school stuff comment without saying I don't like the new school stuff. There's a real lack of structure and framework in our sport right now, which I think is concerning and dangerous. Um, NIL, I think, is a great initiative, great conceptually, but as I, I sat there initially, it looked like there's a potential of getting back to haves and have-nots. And we're always going to have those, but the degree of separation, I think, is going to has the potential to accelerate. Uh, I don't think it's a great look when you got national coaches, you know, bickering in public. Uh, I'm not judging anybody, but I'm just not sure that's good for our sport collectively. <clears throat> so, and our transfer policies right now are, are a little bit concerning, too, and uh, that being said, I, you know, I don't think any of us want somebody on our team who's not happy. That's just not good for anybody. It's a bad marriage. The the word there is concerning. Like he's at the, that is the most Iowa nice way to say, I bleep and hate this. It's concerning. It's concerning. He said it was concerning several times in that soundbite. And that doesn't make him wrong. But in today's college football world, these things are reality. NIL, endorsement deals, pay to play transfer policies Kirk you gotta adjust you have to adjust for for kids today if you want to continue to have a good program and they have a good program and maybe that's okay it's not an elite program football is around the corner thank you for listening thank you to uh, Jordan Rondorf for joining me Danny Bishop keeping me on the air my name is Mike Wickett this has been Wickett's World here on ESPN Des Moines have a good weekend